We love you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying the promised land. It is a great experience. I know they're having an incredible time. Hey, the last two weeks we've been in this series called I Will. Everyone say, I will. I will. Pastor Jason started us off two weeks ago talking about I will practice the presence of God, getting in the presence of God and spending that devotion time with him every single day. Last week, Pastor Danny did an incredible job talking about I will pursue holiness. That's one we don't like to hear a whole lot because it steps on our feet a little bit, right? But it's pursuing holiness. It's not about how close we can get to the line, right? But it's about how close we can get to Jesus, right? We will pursue holiness as Christ's followers and as the body of Christ. Hey, real quick, a little shameless plug. Today is the Ascend Camp flash sale. Anybody, anybody love Ascend Camp? We got some people down here. Hey, last year we took 230 people to Ascend Camp in Colorado. It was an incredible week. I know there was some life change that happened with our students, but not even just our students. Our leaders were getting messed up for Jesus. So we love it. Parents, I highly encourage you to sign your kid up, 6th through 12th grade kid, up for a sin camp today as the flash sale ends at midnight tonight, then regular registration starts. So today my message is called, I will sign up my kid for a sin camp. It's a good message. I don't really have anything else to say about it, so we're done. Seriously, sign them up. That's not the name of my message. Um, but seriously, my message today is coming from a heart and from a person that has been searching out um, and letting God deal with me in some areas of my life over the last five or six months. Um, when Pastor Jason asked me to speak um, in January, a couple months ago, he asked me, I, I knew pretty immediately what I was going to talk about because there's something that God's overflowing in my life that I feel like the body of Christ needs to hear as well, um, that we need to remind ourselves every single day. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something real quick and I wanna preface it with the fact that I'm not boasting. Um, all of this that I'm about to say comes from a heart of gratitude and understanding that without Jesus, none of this is possible. But for the last 10 years, um, my wife and I, Ashley, we've, we've held the position as student pastors in different churches in Texas and Tennessee. We've seen we, we, we've got to meet thousands of students along the way, hear some pretty amazing stories, see some really devastating stories. We've seen hundreds of students accept Jesus as their Savior, be baptized. We, we, we've seen so many students go from darkness to light, and now they're in full-time ministry as missionaries or pastors. It's, it's, it's been so cool to see over the last 10 years. I remember in 2008, when I was here the first time, um, we did a spring break campout trip, and at that point, we were just meeting in homes for our youth ministry. We probably had about 30 students that were kind of core students or just maybe just brought their friends. Um, and we went to the Broken O Ranch here in, here in town. At that time, Dwayne and Judith Rivers owned that, and they let us do a camp out there for a couple days. And I remember being in this huge barn on that property, and I had, like, the sermon of my life prepared. I was going, like, it was going to be late at night, like, Holy Spirit there, and I was going to preach the walls down in that barn, right? So I had it all ready, and I remember putting on worship before I preached, and we just had an iPod at that point. We didn't have a worship band like you see up here, how amazing they are. Um, so I, put, I clicked on the first song, the iPod, and a couple minutes into the song, something happened, and, and the Spirit of God just began to literally just sweep in that barn. And all at the same time, it was, it was crazy. Like, all these 30, these 30 kids, they just started weeping, and they just started crying. And I'm like, what the heck is in this barn that's making them cry? Like, there's some poison in here. Something's going, going wrong. 
But in that moment, I realized that God was doing something and he didn't need my, my message. He didn't need me to speak and, and, and get the job done, right? The spirit of God was enough in that moment. And that night, dozens of students gave their life to Jesus for the very first time. It was such a cool moment. I remember in 2011, we did a beach camp with our students in Beaumont and we went to Florida and we were putting on our own little beach camp and there was like 50 of us there. It was not, not huge. I remember in the middle of worship, once again, no one praying over anyone, in the middle of worship, just exalting Jesus, a girl that had been deaf in one ear since she was a little baby because she had meningitis, her ear pops open for the very first time. Right in the middle of worship, and this 16-year-old girl just starts crying. And she, as you can imagine, she's getting excited because God just opened her ear. And no one had to preach. No one had to lay hands on her and pray for her. It was just God. It was just God's presence all around her. And it opened up her ears. And I say all of this to say, so many times we get into this place of, like, glory, man. Like, God's doing incredible things. Good things are happening. The church is expanding. God's just doing amazing things. Yet we can forget about the one that does all those things. We can see all the good things that God does, yet forget about a relationship with God. Are you with me this morning? So this morning, the title of my message is this. I will remember my first love. I will remember my first love. Do you remember your first date with your spouse? Do you remember it? Anybody, if you, if you remember your first date, can you raise your hand? Was it a good date or was it a terrible date? Yeah, awesome date. You're still married. That's good. That's awesome. I remember my first date with Ashley. It was March 15th, 2006, so almost 12 years ago. In fact, we got a picture of that night, a picture of us that night. It was the first date ever. Man, she was good looking. So I remember um, we went to school in, at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and it's about 20 minutes north of Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you've ever been to Chattanooga, it is a beautiful downtown. It's such a cool city. And so I decided my first date with Ashley, we're going to go downtown. I'm going to bring her to the fanciest restaurant in town, TGI Fridays. We went on a Wednesday. We were just getting it done. Single guys in here, you want to impress a girl? TGI Fridays, that's where to go. So I went there, they had a cool downtown, they had a walking bridge, um, and then they had a huge city park that was just beautiful. I uh, went downtown, had a great time, and that was the night that I felt like my heart began to stir for a greater relationship with Ashley, right? That, that's the night that, I, I, you know, I don't know if I fell in love with her that night, I don't know when all that happens, right? I don't know the process of that, but I do know that my heart came alive that night. And that was my first date, right? That was, that was when my heart began to get passionate after this girl. Do you remember your first date? You see, tonight, or this morning, while this message today is not specifically talking about marriage, everything that I do talk about when it relates to you and Jesus, you can remember it when you're thinking about your covenant with your spouse as well. So we're gonna run in two lanes right here. The, the main lane that I wanna run in today is you and Jesus. Are you remembering your first love? Are you passionate after him? But also, if you are married, I want you to remember this. Are you loving your spouse the way that you, you really should love them? Are, are, you, are you as passionate about your spouse 
as you were when you first met them, right? And even more, are you growing in love more with your spouse? So, and if you're single in here, we will hook you up today. You can join a life group. There is a singles life group that you can join, and it's a good thing. But even if you're single in here, it's good to know, right? So I wanna take you through two scenarios that happen in the book of Mark that give a perfect picture of what happens sometimes in our relationship with Jesus. One comes from Mark 1. Everyone say Mark 1. And Mark 14. Say Mark 14. I have to do that with students. Make sure they're, they're good. So Mark 1, verse 35 through 37 says this. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. I'll stop here for a second. I want you to just uh, imagine this scene, all right? I want you to imagine that you're one of the 12 disciples. Jesus has literally just called you to follow him. You leave everything you have in life and you start to follow this man, right? You've got to imagine in this moment these disciples, like there's something so magnetic and, and there, it, something about Jesus that draws them in for them to leave everything they own, right, and follow this guy. You know they had to be in love with this God, right? They were passionate after him. They, they wanted to be with him. They wanted to just be around him at all times. There was this nearness between the, the disciples and Jesus at this point. They had just been called. They had just encountered this man named Jesus. And so what happens, Jesus gets up early in the morning. He goes to pray by himself. He wants to be by himself because he wants to have communion with the Father in heaven. And all of a sudden, you've got these these knucklehead disciples that interrupt everything and where have you been? We've been looking for you. Why would you get up early and leave us? Like, you can't leave us. We've left everything to be with you, right? Like, they're excited, they're passionate. Many times that is us when we experience Jesus, right? For the very first time, we just wanna be around and we just wanna get in the word of God. We just wanna pray. We just wanna, every time the church doors are open, we're gonna be there because we've got to be with Jesus. How many of you have been there before? You've been there, you just gotta be with him. Then we read in Mark 14, this takes place three and a half years later. Mark 14, verse 32 through 42, it says this. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Everyone say, sleeping? Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. He did not know what to say. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, I want you to think about these two scenes, Mark 1 and Mark 14, what happens in three and a half years that the disciples go from interrupting a prayer meeting they weren't invited to to sleeping through a prayer meeting they were invited to exclusively? 
What happens in three and a half years that the disciples go from a passionate desire to be around Jesus, they just want, they're soaking in every moment to sleeping in the most crucial moment in history. Can you imagine the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus is literally, he's in anguish. He's, he's on his knees and he's in anguish. And the Bible says that it's literally, that he is he's literally sweating blood. He's in so much anguish, right? That's a scientific fact that that can happen in so much stress and anguish. Jesus is literally calling his disciples, the ones to claim to love him, to pray for him, to have strength, that he would be able to go through the worst pain in history for you and I. Are y'all with me this morning? Mark 1 to Mark 14, what happens between that time? You know what happens? A lot of good things happen. A lot of miracles happen. A lot of people come to find hope and come to find life. Jesus calms the storm. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus walks on water. He heals a deaf man, a blind man, a mute man, a paralyzed man, a diseased man. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. All things these disciples got to experience. Like, we think being a Christ follower is good. Like, it's awesome. Can you imagine walking in the flesh with Jesus and literally getting to see the miracles every single day? That would mess me up. Like, getting to see the miracles and the life change every single day face-to-face with Jesus. This is what they got to experience for three and a half years Story after story, good things, God things, Jesus in action, his love and compassion. You see, a few months ago, Pastor Jason made this statement. Pastor Jason, if you're watching, just know I do take notes. He said this, Jesus has become too familiar. I know that kind of sounds weird because like, shouldn't we be familiar with Jesus? Like, that's what he's calling us to. But sometimes Jesus has become too familiar that he's become common to us and we've lost the sacredness of who he is. He's, we've lost the sacredness of that covenant. Just like in our marriage, many, many times our spouse becomes so common and we know them so well that it, we, we lose the sacredness of that connection. Like there are times where Ashley, like I'm saying something and Ashley finish, finishes my sentences and it's not like in the cute way where like, oh, we know each other so well, we finish each other. It's in the way of like, dude, you've lost your mystery. Like, I know exactly what you're going to say. And every time that happens, I'm like, oh, gosh, I need new jokes. Like, <laughs> I need new jokes. I need new sayings because I've lost my mystery. Like, what is happening to me? And so often that's what happens in our relationship with Jesus is we feel like we lose the mystery there. But how many of you know that the mystery never ends with Jesus? Like, for real, you can read the Bible every day for the rest of your life and you will always get something new. Every single time. He's new. He's mysterious. There is no limit to who he is and what, what we can experience in a relationship with him. But I feel like so many times we get content and we start to fall asleep. That passion starts to dwindle and we fall asleep when Jesus is calling us to wake up. Are we awake spiritually? I think for far too long, I'm speaking directly to myself first, but far too long we as the church have been asleep in the most crucial moments of history. We've been asleep. We've been asleep when our nation's going through junk. We've been asleep when our world is going through, through junk as well. We've been asleep and the church is called to pray. The church is called to wake up 
And you're only gonna wake up when you realize your passionate love for Jesus. We can't just shake ourselves awake and, and be religious. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. Every single time, we become so familiar that we forget the sacredness of that connection and covenant. You see, not only did Jesus have something to say to those disciples in the garden that night, but he had something to say to the church in the book of Revelation. It's a really hard passage, so get ready. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this. Jesus is talking to the church. He says, I, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Another translation says, you have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. How many of you love when someone tells you some news and then they use the word but? Like, that's the worst. Like, there are some rare cases where it's like bad news and then someone says, but we're good. Like, like here's some good news. Most of the time, and most of the time it happens where there's some news given and then you're like, but it's not looking good, right? There's always something on the end that it's just like, oh, I don't wanna hear this, this is painful. This is kind of what's happening when Jesus is talking to the church. And, and the verses that we didn't read before that, Jesus is actually commending the church. He's saying, you've done all these things so well. I'm so proud of you for doing this and that. Like, you're excellent here. But I have one thing against you. And guess what? It's the most important thing. You've lost your passionate love that you had for me at first. Go back to the first works repent. What the word repentance means is simply to change your mind. He's, he's literally saying, change your mind to do the works of love you did at first. Husbands, how many of you have been told before that you just don't love me the way that you used to? You don't, you don't do the things that you used to do, right? Like, we, we've probably heard that from a spouse, like, on both sides, like, oh, do you even love me anymore? Like, and, and most of the time, it's usually like, you used to do these things. You used to, like, go out of your way to get me flowers. You used to go out of the way to do the dishes when I didn't ask. Like, you just used to do all these things because you were just so passionate, right? But now you're just lazy, right? Is that just me getting, I'm just kidding. My wife does not say that to me. But many times, that's where we are with Jesus. I mean, when we first started, when we first experienced his love, we were going hardcore. It's just like, Jesus, I've gotta be around you. And I'm gonna do anything and everything it takes to get in your presence because I know there's more. And for some reason, over time, we begin to fall asleep. We, get, we begin to get content. We begin to take the sacredness of that and the holiness of it and make it common. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. You see, we used to talk about Jesus all the time. You used to talk about all that he's done in your life. You used to get up early in the morning to read his word. You used to come to church every single Sunday because you just wanted to worship with a big family. And then somewhere along the line, which is like, and I know I'm preaching to the crowd because you're all here, but somewhere down the line, it's like, oh, I gotta get up to church, go up, get up and go to church today. Oh, okay, I'll just, this is my once a month, right? Like, I'm just gonna force myself today. But we used to love it. We used to be all about it. We used to come whenever the doors were open. 
You used to want to have a conversation with Jesus in the car, at work, in your room. Somewhere down the line, Jesus just became too familiar. Or we just learned how to be more religious and less relational. And I can say that's been me at times. Learned how to be more religious. How many students can we get to youth service this week? What can we do? How many students can we get to camp? What can we do to just reach this city and do good works and and see God do amazing things? And right in the middle of that, God's saying, ha, you're being religious. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you to draw closer to me. Because if you draw closer to me, Chase, everything else will happen, right? You, You can't force things to happen. Good things will happen. God Things will happen. Encounters will happen. But it's only when you are next to, my, next to my heart. It's only when you are pursuing me. You see, we've traded relationship with God for just being involved in God things. I'm guilty. There's no substitute for a real love relationship with Jesus. There's no substitute for a real love relationship with Jesus because God is always better than the things that are of God. God's always better. See, in the kingdom of God, there's no plan B. It's always Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It will always be Jesus. There's no other way. It's relationship with Jesus every single time. In this passage in Revelation 2, Jesus says, I will remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. We know that a lampstand obviously holds a lamp, right? It holds light, holds a candle, What he's literally saying, if you don't change your mind and draw near to me, guess what? That influence, that light, it's not there. You can do nothing without me. It's all me every time. So ask that question at the very beginning. Do you remember your first date with your spouse? Here's another question. Do you remember your first moment that you encountered Jesus? I know I'll talk to a lot of students and I'll say, hey, what... Tell me about your experience with Jesus. Like the first time you met him, he's like, and they're, most of the time they're like, I, you know, I don't really know a moment. Like I just, I just know. Like I just experienced him, but I don't really know when it was. That's not all students, but there, there have been a lot of people that I've talked to. It's like, I don't know. And Pastor Jason says this a lot. You weren't born a Christian, right? There is a moment that you surrender your life. In fact, there are lots of moments for a lot of people, right? Like, Every day I wake up, yes, God, I surrender again because I can't do this on my own. But do you remember the moment that you experienced Jesus for the first time? I remember it very clear to me. July 7th, 2003, I was at Cathedral Church in Beaumont, Texas. I was sitting right here in the student section. I was not following Jesus at all, but guess what? I was going to be in the student section because all my friends were. I was a religious kid, right? I went to church, I made sure every single week I was there, but there was nothing in my heart for God. There was no relationship. And I remember that day, July 7, 2003, can I squeeze right here, is that fine? I was sitting in the front row, because I was a, a good kid, not a godly kid. I was sitting in the front row and I remember um, just kind of going through the same routine. And the night before, a lot of my friends had gotten back from a conference in, at the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. And I remember that morning, they got up on stage and they started to give their story. They started to give their testimony of what God had done in their life. 
And in that moment, I'm starting to like squirm because these are like my best friends, the ones that we had, we had partied together, the ones that we had gone to the beach and just did our own thing and like, I mean, cussing up a storm, just kind of doing our own thing, not worrying about what anyone else thought. And I remember kind of squirming in my seat and being like, how can I get out of here really quick because this is awkward. Um, but I was sitting on the front row and it's hard to leave unnoticed. So what happens is they give their testimony. Every single one of them just start crying, and I'm like, what is going on with him? Like, this is not him, right? And then my youth pastor gets up there and starts preaching, and at this point, I start to feel something in my heart, and I start to feel God stirring, and I I remember just getting on the edge of my seat like, okay, this is getting really weird because there's some brokenness happening in my heart right now, and this is not what I'm used to. And I remember my youth pastor giving a call that morning. And this was not just for the youth, but this was a call to the church. And I remember being one of the first people that stood up as quick as I could. And as my friends were on stage and they're crying and they're praising God, I'm like, okay, I've got to be a part of this. Like, I don't know what this looks like, but if they got it, and I know they're bad, if they got it, then you better believe I'm getting it, right? I'm not being left behind today because I know that if they receive what they're saying, I want this. Like, I want this treasure that can change a life. Because I knew deep down inside I was a broken kid, and I was just hiding it. I was putting on a a mask. And I remember in that moment when I stood up that there was freedom from my sin. There was addictions that broke off immediately. Like, as soon as I stood up, it was gone. And I remember in that moment standing up, there there was a hatred or an anger that I had for my father that broke off immediately. And there was a love for him, right? And it was in that moment that I surrendered my life to Jesus forever. It was a moment that I will never forget. I know the day, I know exactly what happened. I remember in my church being right here and just kneeling at the altar forever. Even after church got over with, there I was because I was just weeping and I knew God had done something in my life. And I was on a journey. I was on a journey. This might be dangerous. Do you remember? Do you remember that moment? And it doesn't mean it has to look like that. It's different for everyone. But do you remember when you fell in love with Jesus? And maybe some of you in here are saying, I've never done that. I'm praying that today is your day. I'm praying that today the heart of the Father would meet you. Because he's too good. He's too good. Don't pass it up. Jesus transformed my life and he wants to transform yours. He gave me a passion and he's calling me back. Chase, don't forget about that passion that you had. It's not about church. It's not about works. It's not about all the good things. It's about me every time. So what do you do when you realize you've lost your first love? First, you gotta realize it, right? You have to have this this brokenness inside to say, yeah, that's me. That's me, God, I want more. But number one is this, I will prioritize my life around Jesus, not squeeze Jesus in my life. I will prioritize Jesus, I will prioritize my life around Jesus, not just squeeze him in when it's ever, it's convenient. There's a great passage in Matthew 13 that Jesus gives a parable, one verse parable, he says this, the kingdom of God is like a man that's hidden in a field, or a man that's walking in a field and finds a hidden treasure. 
In his excitement and in his joy, he hides the treasure, goes back home and sells everything he has to have enough money to buy the field. Now this parable's always kind of confused me because if I was that man, I would have picked up the treasure and gone home to my life and just added it, right? I would have just taken the treasure and said, hey, look, I've already got this in my life. I'm just gonna add it to it. No, this guy understood that there was an exchange that needed to take place. He wanted Jesus, this treasure, to be everything, right? So he sells everything and he says, Jesus, you have now become my everything. And it doesn't say that he bought the treasure, he bought the field. He bought the life that surrounds and circles the treasure. Your life should surround Jesus. Everything you do in life should be central. Jesus should be central to that. When you're at work, Jesus should be central. When you're at school, students, Jesus should be central. When you're in your family and you're eating dinner together, Jesus should be central to everything we do. There's an exchange. Is Jesus a priority? Number two, I will get connected and stay connected to a spiritual community. You need this. You know what, you can't do this thing alone. And even if you're a super Christian and you got this by yourself, it's not as fun by yourself. It's way more fun and joyful and life-giving when you're running this race with people alongside of you that are pulling you when you're struggling, you're pulling them when they're struggling, you're building off of one another, you're sharpening one another. You need a spiritual community, a family. Guess what this is? We're family. I know we don't know everyone in this room, and you probably will never know everyone in this room, but you can know somebody. You can know someone. And so my challenge for you today, a little plug, life groups start this week. You need to get invested into a, uh, into a life group. It's a spiritual community that can build you up and help you. And it's just fun. I challenge you, there's so many opportunities. I challenge you to go talk with Pastor Jen, sign up, get involved in a life group. You need family that are gonna pursue Jesus with you. And then lastly, I will be devoted to developing and growing my personal relationship with God. This goes along with what Pastor Jason talked about two weeks ago, about practicing the presence. Are we actually devoted to God? Because the last time I checked, when I'm devoted to my wife, that means I've got to spend time with her, right? It, it means I don't just get to come home from work and just tune her out and say, I'm going to bed. I don't, I don't want to spend any time with you. No, it means that I'm going to talk with her. It means I'm going to listen to her. It means I'm going to get to know her more and spend quality time with her. Guess what? That's Jesus. That's you and Jesus as well. No different. It's a sacred connection that you get to have. Are you worshiping him? Are you giving God your best and everything? That's what worship is. It's simply giving God your best in everything that you do. Worship is not just this. This is a great form of worship, but this is just, this is not even scratching the surface of what worship is. Worship is everything you do in life and giving him your best. Are you praying? Are you having conversation with him? Are you getting in the word of God? Because there's life here. Dealing with depression, it's here. There's life. Broken relationship, there's life. 
you stand with me this morning? We are going to go back into a form of worship, praise, here in a moment. But I want to challenge us. I want to challenge you individually, but I want to challenge the body of Christ today. Have we fallen asleep? Have we fallen content? And we know that there's something deeper. We know that there's something more. We know that we used to love Jesus so much, and and maybe you still love him, but man, you just feel like that passion has been waning. You feel like that passion has been waning, and you just want today to make a commitment. Maybe it's one of those three statements that I said a minute ago about prioritizing your life around Jesus or getting connected to a spiritual community or devoting yourself in a personal relationship with him. If that's you today, I want us to take a bold step. As we've been calling you, calling the church the last couple weeks, there's something powerful about taking a step forward and letting it be symbolic of our lives. There's some, there was something powerful on July 7, 2003, when I squirmed out of my seat and I took a step forward in faith and God broke me and healed me. There was something powerful about coming to the altar. And so as we sing this last song, if you feel this at all, if you feel like God is tugging at your heart, can you just begin to come forward? Can you just begin to come forward and say, God, I am calling myself back. Lord, I am drawing myself back to you as your spirit draws me today. So come on, as we sing, can you come forward? Come on, all around this room, can you just lift up your hands to the Father? God, we thank you that your promise still stands. God, your faithfulness remains no matter how far we've gone from you, God. Your promise is still there that when we draw close to you, that you draw close to us. As we come close to you, God, you promise to come close to us. So, Lord, we take a step today and we come close to you. God, I I believe there's still people out there, God, that maybe didn't step out today, but they know that they need to. God, that today they need to step out in their faith. And so, Lord, we just pray, God, that you would draw us closer to you. God, give us the courage to move forward. Give us the courage to take a step in our life that needs to be taken. And Lord, I do declare over marriages in this place, God, those that are on the rocks, those that are broken right now, we declare marriages be restored today in the name of Jesus. We declare victory where the enemy has tried to come in, God. We declare covenant and connection, God. We declare a first love again. Father, give us a first love again. God, help us to remember the moment that we said yes to you and the excitement there. And God, I do pray for the person in this room that has never said yes to you. The person in here that has never felt your love or has never responded to that love. God, I pray that today would be the day. That today would be the day that they would never forget. That today would be the day like on July 7, 2003 when it all changed for me let today be a day of salvation God and a drawing back to you Father we love you we love you 
Come on, just for a moment, can you tell him how much you love him? No words on the screen, just your voice, your heart. Can you vocally just tell him how much you love him? You're worthy, God. There's no one like you, Jesus. You're worth everything. You are the treasure in the field, God. And we give everything up, God, so we can be around it. So we can be right in the middle of that treasure. You, God, are the greatest treasure we could ever find. So, Lord, I pray that we would find you today. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's commit today that we will pursue him every single day. Hey, as you're dismissed here in a moment, we do have a prayer team that will be down here. If you need prayer for anything, maybe that was you. Maybe the Spirit was speaking to you today to make a, a commitment to Him for the very first time. Or maybe you just need prayer for a situation going on in your life. We challenge you to come down here. Let us partner with you. It's part of that spiritual family I was talking about. This is it. So as you guys are dismissed, you can come down here if you need prayer for anything. Hey, guys, we love you. Have a great rest of your day. You guys are dismissed.